I finished within about six and a half minutes of what I estimated on paper. And if you think about that over the course of 50 miles or over 11 hours is a very good estimate. And that's because I was very specific with my training. I paid a lot of attention to what my paces were walking uphill and downhill. And doing all this prep work, putting the plan together allowed me to figure out what my ballpark goal was. Welcome to School of Success, the podcast that will help you reach your goals and become the success story you've always dreamed of. Join us on our journey as we explore the strategies, tools, and tactics needed to build health, wealth, and personal development. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to living life to its fullest with host Brandon Hicks. So let's get started and make your dreams come true. Welcome back to another episode of School of Success. Today, I wanted to share some of my lessons learned from running my first 50-mile ultramarathon. To date, my longest distance was a marathon at 26.2 miles, somewhere between four and five hours on my feet. This weekend, I ran 50 miles, and it took me 11 hours, so it was a big jump, and I wanted to share some of the things that I did to be able to accomplish this and make such a leap. So one of the first things I did was reaching out to other runners in my community that have ultra experience and asking them for advice, taking notes. I spent about two to three hours talking with other ultra marathoners who have done 50K, 50 mile, and even 100 mile races and learning what worked for them and compiling all of that. Another thing I did was researching books on ultra marathons and finding the highest recommended one, which was Training Essentials for Ultra Running by Jason Coop. That was a huge help. It went into a lot of the science of nutrition and recovery and tapering and gear gear and blister management. So many things there that I hadn't had to think about in marathon training that I could learn from, which was great. So I compiled all of those notes and I wanted to share my biggest takeaways from those resources and from my own experience running the 50 mile race. So the first one is training specificity. So you want to make sure that as you're getting closer to your race, your training is getting as specific to your event as possible. So for me, I was running a 50 mile trail race. So on trail that had over 5,000 feet of elevation. So that means that I needed to be training on trail or trail-like surfaces, and I needed to be incorporating hills into my training. So that's what I started to do about six weeks out from my race. I started to run most of my runs basically in between the sidewalk and the road where there's grass, gravel, dirt, because what I needed to be prepared for was the unevenness in the surface and make sure that my feet, my ankles, and my knees were accustomed to this. And so my focus was to put as many miles on my feet as possible on this uneven terrain. And along those lines, because of all that elevation, I knew that there was going to be a lot of walking uphill and potentially walking downhill. So I started to incorporate walking and running into my training. Another key takeaway for me was fuel and nutrition. So what I learned from that book is that gut distress, gut issues is one of the biggest reasons why runners do not finish an ultramarathon. And I thought that I had my nutrition well under control because of the races that I've run before. I have not had any gut issues. I've learned what liquids to be taking, what gels or fuel 
to be taking and at what time, and it's worked really well for me. But that was on a much shorter course and over a much shorter time period. And what I learned through reaching out to these mentors and also reading this book was that gut distress is the number one issue that people report why they DNF or do not finish a race. And so this can be mitigated by bringing food and trialing food in your training. So during your long runs, during your runs throughout the week, you want to be bringing foods that you think that you are going to use and you think that will work well for you in your race. You want foods that are going to be easily digestible, that you can easily carry with you, that if it's got a wrapper that you can easily tear open and have and then you can throw away. So you want to be thinking about all these things. But first and foremost, you need to be making sure that that food actually sits well with you when you're running. You're going to be running for 10 hours, 12 hours, possibly more depending on the race that you're running. And you want to make sure that once you consume that, if you go run a minute later, now that it's sloshing around in your stomach, that your stomach's not going to get upset by that. So bringing these foods with you on your run and actually having them throughout the week is really important. And it's also important to have a variety of food because as you're running, you're going to crave different foods. I think one part of it is mentally probably would get sick of eating the same thing over and over again. But two, as your body is expending so much energy, it's burning through carbs and using electrolytes and you're consuming a lot of liquids, your body is likely to physically crave certain things like salts or carbs, depending on what you might be deficient in. So having a mix of foods is very important as well. So for me, I ended up using Gatorade Endurance Formula, which is an engineered drink, and it has that optimal balance of carbs and electrolytes. So that's a great base for me. I've been using it in most of my marathons, and I know that that sits well with me. That was one of the foundational fuels for me in my race. The second one was maple syrup, which is something sweet. That, again, is something that I've used in all my marathons. It's worked really well for me, and it sits well with me. So that's great. But I knew that even at the end of marathons, those two I start to get sick of. The combination of the two is pretty sweet, and it started to get not appetizing for me towards the end of marathons. So I had a suspicion that that would happen for me within an ultra, especially running twice the distance. So I also looked to incorporate things like sweet potatoes that had salt on them. So I was getting a little bit of salt, a little bit of sweet there, and something that I had for breakfast every single day and I really enjoyed. So that was the next thing that I trialed and worked really well for me. I then looked at adding watermelon because it was something refreshing. It's something that I've had in previous training sessions with running with my running group and it always sat well with me. And so I started to trial that as well and that worked for me. And then lastly, I threw in some M&Ms, something sweet, something that I'd have available to me as a replacement to that maple syrup if I got sick of the maple syrup. But having that variety was really important because I did actually find that on lap five, I really wanted sweet potatoes, but by lap six, I was sick of having sweet potatoes and I wanted just watermelon. So having the options there was really key. The third key takeaway is thinking about like blisters and chafing. That can happen with the shirt that you're wearing or a lot with the shoes that you have on. Again, there's a lot of time on your feet. I think I had 95,000 steps. That's a lot of opportunity for wear within your feet. And I have experienced blisters on marathons before, and I thought that it would be a lot worse on an ultra, especially with the trail training. But one of the just very easy things to do, which I had never even thought of, was to use what's called body glide. It's basically like a lubricant that you can put wherever to reduce friction. And one of the recommendations from my mentor was to just put that on your toes, and that should really help. I did that and found that I had less blisters and less irritation on my feet in the 50-mile trail race than I had in most of my marathons. And so that was a huge help. That's probably something that I will look to incorporate 
into my marathon running as well. And then a fourth key takeaway was the mental strategies. And this is something that can be used within endurance races for sure, but also within business. So the first one is fear setting, this concept that I actually learned from Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Work Week. And this is where you are going to address the things that you're afraid of. So you want to list out all of the things that you're afraid of, you know, not finishing on time, getting sick, blisters, anything that you're worried about within your race. Then you can estimate what the likelihood of that happening is. And then you can write down some strategies for how you can prevent that. And then lastly, one thing that you could add to that is if that thing happened in the race, how can you turn that into a positive? So this is just laying out all of the things that could possibly happen. What are you afraid of? What's the likelihood of them happening? What can you do to prevent this? And then if that did happen, how can you turn that into a positive? So that's one of the things that I did beforehand that really helped me prepare for the race. Another important thing is mantras, words or phrases that resonate with you when times get tough, thinking about what you want to repeat to yourself or say to yourself, having planned that out ahead of time can be really helpful. And then lastly is breaking down the race into chunks. So my race was eight loops of 10K, which is 6.2 miles. So in the beginning, I only thought of loop numbers. So I finished one, then two loops, then three loops, then four loops. I wasn't thinking about the fact that once I finished loop one, I still had 44 miles to go because that 44 seemed super daunting, especially having never run more than 26 miles. But by the time I got to four loops, now all of a sudden I've run 25 miles and I have 25 miles left. So now I'm halfway done. Now once I'm done with the fifth loop, now I only have three loops left. So I'm basically playing this mental game with myself to help me through when I'm in this maybe low point within the race. But then I started realizing that thinking in loops started to actually feel daunting because after five or six loops now, I really understood how long each loop took. So the thought of two more or three more loops actually was no longer helping me or serving me. So I started thinking of, well, it's only 18 miles left. I've done 32 miles so far, only 18 left, which 18 does still seem like a lot. But in that moment, having already done 32, 18 didn't seem like that much. And especially because I've run a lot of 18 mile sessions in training, I could then go look back on those sessions previously and think, well, you've done 18 before. And then all of a sudden it was 16 and then 14 and then 12. The important thing here is to break down your race into bite-sized chunks that resonate well with you and seem overcomable to you and avoid getting lost in, oh, I've got 42 miles left. How am I going to do that? And that leads me into the last big lesson that I learned, which is to utilize this walk-run strategy. When I started running marathons, my thought was that I was going to run the full 26.2 miles straight. I wouldn't stop at all. I'm going to run through the water stops. I'm going to drink the water while I'm running. And I realized it's really not important to do. I had in my mind that that's what I needed to do and that was silly. But there are people that have utilized a walk-run strategy and it serves them really well. And that strategy could be something like running for seven minutes, walking for three minutes, running for eight minutes, walking for two minutes. And there's a lot of benefits to that. But one of the big mental benefits is that you are now breaking down your race, whatever distance it is, into much smaller bite-sized chunks. And the second benefit is that you're allowing yourself time to recover in those two to three minutes that you've decided to walk. And that made a huge difference for me because like I mentioned, it started to seem daunting to have three loops left knowing that that was 18 miles and then two loops left. But what I started to focus on, and I was already 
already implementing this walk-run strategy for the entire race, but it started to allow me to say, okay, you just need to run for the next eight minutes. You can run for eight minutes. And once you run for eight minutes, now you get a two-minute break and you get to walk. And so I started to just really focus on run for the next eight minutes. And if I was checking my watch, I say, oh, it's only three more minutes, two more minutes. And once I finally got to that point, then I could walk. And that served me really well on this race, again, because it was breaking down that huge goal of this 50 miles down into these much smaller bite-sized chunks that then seemed much more manageable for me to overcome. I would say that was the strategy that really helped me the most mentally and being able to accomplish this 50 mile ultra marathon. So overall, the race went really well. My A goal was to finish under 11 hours. My B goal was just to finish. I had come up with 11 hours by basically breaking down the course, looking at the elevation profile, where I thought I would walk and run based off of how steep each section was. And because I was so specific in my training, I knew what my pace walking uphill was, what my pace walking downhill was. And I was able to use that to estimate that I would finish this race in 11 hours and six minutes. That was my estimate. And I ended up finishing the race in 10 hours, 59 minutes, and something like 30 seconds. So I finished within about six and a half minutes of what I estimated on paper. And if you think about that over the course of 50 miles or over 11 hours is a very good estimate. And that's because I was very specific with my training. I paid a lot of attention to what my paces were walking uphill and downhill. And doing all this prep work, putting the plan together allowed me to figure out what my ballpark goal was. And then from there, I said, okay, if I'm that close to 11 hours, I'm going to focus on breaking 11 hours. And that became my A goal, which is what I ended up doing. Doing all this prep work ahead of time, reaching out to those in my community, reading the books, that is what gave me the confidence that I could step up to a 50 mile ultra marathon having run just half that previously hey i appreciate you listening to another episode of school of success i'm committed to helping others reach their full potential so if you found value please leave a five-star rating and review with that we can reach more people and help make their dreams come true